This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at DCAUReview.com. Now, here's today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to bonus episode number nine. I am your host, Cal, with me, my good friend and good brother. That's right, it's Liam. Liam, so welcome to bonus episode number nine of the DCAU Review. Yes, and just as we have been for our last few bonus episodes, we will be breaking down the next two digital chapters, or the most recent two digital chapters of Batman The Adventures Continue. And stay with me on this one, Cal. I'm going to I'm gonna try to explain the chapter numbering and order of this. It's only slightly more convoluted than the timeline right now, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. So we are covering the story, which is called Red Sun Rising, parts one and two. Got it. This story will be combined. These two chapters will be combined into one issue, which will be the physical Batman The Adventures Continue number five. Uh-huh. And these, in toto, these digital chapters are chapters nine and ten. Whew, man, that was uh, that was quite the journey. All right, I passed. All right, way to go. Yes, uh, so we are covering this, and this, Liam, is maybe the most anticipated, yet the most controversial issue that we've had yet for a multitude of reasons. Uh, but uh, I think we we, uh, we knew for quite a while that this was probably going to throw a wrench into some things based on what we thought about Batman continuity and certainly opens up the door to question whether or not this comic truly is in the DCAU continuity. But we will talk about that a little bit later. It is basically breaking down Jason Todd and how he fits into this Batman, the animated series slash the new Batman adventures timeline. And uh, man, it's uh, it's interesting. I think we uh, we can get into breaking down the actual comic plot here in just a second, but Overall, I, I think that it's I, I liked some things that they chose to do and other things I I was not a fan of. <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, I think when you do something this when you make a change this drastic, uh, you know, no offense to Nora Freeze, but this is a lot bigger deal. Like this is a lot bigger of a change to the 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 story. Uh, right. As as we knew it, um, the idea that there was a third Robin uh, in the mix, um, that's a huge deal. <laughs> and, yep. uh, yeah, that certainly changes everything. Now, we've talked about it before, and I know Paul Dini has said this this was unintentional, but the Tim Drake Robin in the DCAU canon, the new Batman Adventures canon, had a lot of similarities to Jason as far as his personality and quite frankly, as far as his, his origin story being, you know, the son of a criminal who, uh, you know, whose, whose dad is killed by, by a villain and is sort of taken in by Batman and he's kind of rough around the edges, but he's, he's got a good heart. And so it always kind of felt like that was our Jason for the DCAU. It's kind of an amalgam. Right. We even 
back when we reviewed uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which I believe was episode 70, which you can hear in the archives at DCAUReview.com or on your favorite podcast app. Uh, we talked about how you know those flashbacks that they do in that story, that's the DCAU death in the family. Like, right. With the, you know, with the twist being that instead of killing Robin, he, you know, he does, the Joker does much worse things to him in some ways. Right. Um, so we always, kind of, I think everyone was kind of satisfied with that as far as the Robins go. Like, yeah, in some alternate world, it would have been interesting to see a Jason character. But because of how they did Tim Drake, I think everyone just kind of assumed, all right, well, that's, that's that. So, yeah, I, I understand uh, whether... <laughs> You know, beyond all of the timeline and continuity and all the the super nerdy stuff that we'll certainly get into in a little bit here, I understand just the idea of introducing Jason Todd and saying, yes, not only is there a Red Hood, a Jason Todd in this world, but he was also a Robin and he somehow was fit in between uh, when Dick Grayson quits uh, in the old wounds episode and, and when Tim Drake shows up in, in sins of the father. So that's, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big pill to swallow, whether you like it, whether you're excited, whether you don't like it, it's, it's just a lot to take in. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the most succinct breakdown that I could, that I could hope for. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's, let's talk about, let's, let's jump into the comic uh, a little bit here. So we last left our, our heroes and anti-heroes uh, at the end of the previous, the darker night issue, which you can hear our breakdown of that on our previous bonus episode in the archives. But uh, th- there was sort of a cliffhanger panel that showed that the mysterious person that's been stalking the Dark Knight and his compadres and uh, the, his adversaries this entire run thus far was spotted at what appeared to be the amusement mile, which is where the Joker was hanging out, spying in on him. And the Joker happens to notice him being spied on through the window. And of course, we see that that is who we are assuming yet to be named Jason Todd. So, of course, this issue opens up with the Joker and another new character that was introduced, Liam, to this DCAU continuity, a brand new guy named the Straight Man. Yes, he is. I I have it just as I did with with Mr. Wing, who let's just talk about it for a second. Mr. Wing is just blowing up like he's taking the world by storm. And I think we should take personal uh, pride and responsibility for for his rising status i think we've really done a good job of of getting getting his messages out there radical as they may be yeah and and if you are interested let's just take this time to to give a little plug ski if you are interested in in rocking your mr wing gear uh, you can check out our our shop at dcaureview.com click on the link that says shop you can go to our store you purchase purchase yourself a mr wing hat Mr. Wing mug, Mr. Wing sweatshirt, whatever you're looking to rock. If if you believe in some of the radical ideas that this guy has, which <laughs> we're just learning more and more about these radical ideas every day. I, I think the one that that our friends at the Watchtower shared this week, he was he was on there in in one of their Discord uh, uh, threads this week talking about how Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, is the best of all of the Star Wars films. So wow. I mean that, that right there. I mean. 
if that doesn't tell you the type of radical mind that we're dealing with <laughs> outside of the fact that, you know, that humans should have a living wage or, you know, some of the other things that we've we've heard reported. He apparently has a manifesto out there someplace that we're just waiting to discover. So as more is being leaked from from citizens of Bird City that were responsible for ousting him into our <laughs> our DCAU world, we are just learning more and more about his radical ideas. But anyway, back to this story. So the straight man is introduced to this uh, to this this uh, story here. He's sort of just like this muscle bound uh, lackey for the Joker, I guess. Yes, but he's also a literal straight man in that he is setting the Joker up for punchlines. Right. Uh, the the one thing that was confusing to me, and again, this is one of those things where it was very similar to the idea of, of Mr. Wing, where this character is only in it for a few panels. He plays sort of a, a somewhat pivotal role based on being the lackey for the, the villain or a major villain, uh, Mr. Wing, of course, to the Penguin and, and the straight man to the Joker here. But... There's no real explanation of who this person is, why he is who he is. Jason Todd shoots him with a gun, and he's still running around. Uh, so it's up to us to fill in the blanks, Liam. So I've taken it upon myself to believe that this is the reincarnated, rebranded Captain Clown. Oh, my goodness. I think that after the Joker lost Captain Clown in the last laugh, that he felt this gaping hole. There was some emptiness that was left by him, but he couldn't bring back Captain Clown again. I mean, it, it wouldn't make any sense. He was killed. He right. he 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 accuses Batman uh, and and holds him personally responsible for killing Captain Clown. So Captain Clan Clown can't just return without. Uh, with without any explanation, so instead he brings him back in a in a different Tell that to that bar scene in Batman and Harley Quinn. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, that was just a cosplayer. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we see we have all kinds of explanations for things here, but I believe <laughs> the straight man to be maybe Captain Clown 2.0 that the Joker just needed an android sidekick. And uh, didn't want to didn't want to go through the pain of seeing Captain Clown again just because of the pain that's associated with watching Batman kill him. So, uh, yeah, that's my explanation for who the straight man is. I like it. Maybe he got some of Carl Rossum's robot robotic technology to make him a little <laughs> bit more lifelike this time. <laughs> I like it. Um, remember, anything that we say on this podcast is canon until proven otherwise. Exactly. All right. So, yeah, so the straight man is there, and uh, the Joker goes out to confront Jason Todd. There's a battle that ensues, and Batman comes to investigate afterwards along with the police and uh, takes possession of a weapon that was left behind by Jason, and he and Alfred start doing some investigating, Liam. Yeah, so that I I do like the setup of this. So yeah, uh, the Red Hood has this confrontation with the Joker and the straight man. He gets kind of the worst of it and has to uh, has to get away. The Joker gets away as well, and we see Batman sort of doing some investigating. And he doesn't find the gun, but he find or he doesn't find any fingerprints on the gun. But in fact, on the bullets that were loaded into the gun, he finds a fingerprint that happens to match Jason Todd. Uh, which, of course, is a name that has not been spoken in the comic up until this point. Obviously, we knew who it was supposed to be, but it was officially to this point in the comic, he's the mysterious stranger. Um, 
so that I think that was a really big. Uh, so that's the first time we hear the name uttered. And then, yes, we we have a sequence there where Batman and Alfred are sort of arguing. It can't possibly be him. And, and there uh, there comes in Tim to kind of demand answers. And from there, it's it's flashback city for the rest of the first chapter and really all of the second chapter. Yeah. So uh, Tim demands answers and he sort of just. I guess, Liam, this sort of you could chalk it up to more of the comic origins of Tim Drake. Uh, So obviously we've talked about it a lot. You're a huge main continuity Tim Drake fan Mm -hmm. uh, as far as the character and and who he is. But that character has been built as being like Batman in the the way that he is a great detective. Uh, He has the the ability and the knowledge in in Batman. Each of Batman's sidekicks sort of have a a variation or an offshoot of Batman's skill set. And Tim's is his ability to be a detective and his detective work. So it doesn't take much detective work as Tim walks in and blurts it out. But I guess you could chalk that up to, well, this must be who the second, or this must be the second Robin that you never talk about. What? <laughs> well, well, yeah, and that's kind of the weird thing. And I guess we see later on in the in the second chapter or the second part, uh, chapter ten, um, of of this story that I mean, yeah, it was like widely known that there was the second Robin. We see like a montage of him fighting various villains, including the Firefly for some reason. Oh, we'll um, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, as well as lock up, and then he has this big confrontation, like on the like in the middle of a news studio with the scarecrow. Don't forget uh, his don't forget his dismantling of the ventriloquist and oh, that's Scarface. Right. He, he decapitates Scarface. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so like apparently it was yeah it was widely publicly known that there was a second Robin, and it's. You know, unlike, say, in the books where there was some deniability, uh, where he was in the same suit and had the same hair color as Dick Grayson, um, this version has red hair and a completely original Robin suit, you know, a different belt, different boots, different mask, and different hair color. So there's no deniability there. That So everyone apparently knew there was a second Robin, but no one talked about it, I guess, because of this as yet to be determined tragic end that he suffered even even fellow rogues never brought it up and you know other villains in the city never brought up hey whatever happened to that second guy (laughs) well it's funny because there is a scene that they cut to where the joker and harley are watching and we're jumping around a little bit here but as as jason uh, becomes more and more violent, which was definitely a callback to his persona in main DC continuity and He's sort of escalating violence against villains. There's a clip or there's a there's a there's a panel with uh, the Joker and Harley Quinn watching a clip of Jason beating up the Scarecrow talking about how uh, and the report is talking about how how violent the Robin is. And Harley says that she knows a good psychiatrist that could that could help (laughs) out. That was that was pretty interesting. So they at least know that there's something up there. But. Again, it's never it ha, it is never at least in the in the episodes that we've seen or certainly in the books that we've seen been brought up that oh yeah there was a second Robin that that whatever this tragedy that they're going to talk about in the next chapter uh, befell him and so anyway back back to the actual origin though so <laughs> as Alfred is is explaining to Tim uh, Bruce tells Alfred to explain to him so we get Alfred narrating the next next scene and we learn that jason is is a product 
ultimately of Batman uh, feeling bad and or well witnessing Jason beating up this group called the Wolves. And the reason why he's seeking revenge against this group called this gang called the Wolves is because Jason's older brother uh, named Danny. That's right. Danny Todd was <laughs> was their their lookout and played their version of the Red Hood, which is a callback to the origins of the Red Hood from the main continuity DC, where when the Joker played the Red Hood in the, that continuity, and I believe that's that's in the Killing Joke, right, where he was mm-hmm. the lookout. He's the lookout for the gang and ultimately sort of like a faux figurehead for them in that uh, storyline. And ultimately, you know, Batman attacks him or gets involved and, and fights him and he ends up falling to the vat of acid. Well, instead this time as, as Danny Todd is the lookout wearing the red hood mask for this group, uh, he instead falls to his death. Unfortunately, um, didn't no cause of Batman. It wasn't Batman's fault that he fell, but, uh, he, he falls to his death. Jason blames the wolves, uh, Rightfully, deservedly so for for putting him in that uh, Danny in that position. And Batman witnesses him just sort of single handedly dismantling this gang of thugs. Yeah, it's a it's 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 a it's a wild scene. Yeah, Batman sort of is is finally tracking down this Wolves gang. We we get some some exposition from Alfred that this gang has sort of been active in in the city for years, um, but it, I guess has had really started to ramp up their uh their territory and and finally they come into con and and like i said they have this conflict with the police where danny todd the the red hood lookout uh, is killed and 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 batman sort of feels for this kid he sees the anger and quite frankly i think the potential in this child in jason and 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 brings him in and is training him and obviously i mean they they, they show alfred and, and batman talking about it that well, obviously, like he keeps Jason keeps eyeing the Robin suit every time he's in the cave. Like he he wants that. He wants to be, you know, to be that partner for Batman. And we're uh, we're we're sort of left with this where, where Bruce is like, no, we're, we'll get there. But this is I'm taking it slow. But then, of course, Jason simply steals the suit and uh, and that's sort of the end of our our first digital chapter here, chapter nine, is uh, we get what is uh, very clearly an homage to uh, Detective Comics number thirty eight, as uh, Batman is again. We'll we'll get to this fighting Firefly and Firefly's gang, and there's just fire and smoke everywhere, and then suddenly there's a circle in the smoke and jumping through in the exact pose of that first appearance of uh, of Robin cover is Jason in a Robin suit. And that's sort of the end of our, uh, end of our, our first digital chapter here of red sun rising part one. And it's, uh, I mean, it's certainly very striking. It's certainly very, it's a, it's a good cliffhanger. And then, yeah, from there, as we sort of already laid into, we, we see him and, and Bruce kind of at odds, but Bruce sort of reluctantly allows him to become the second Robin. And then just sort of as, as things go along, Jason just be, starts to become more and more violent. Yeah, it's um, it's it tracks like we said with the main continuity of of Jason's story and that he's just becoming more and more increasingly violent. Okay, I, I think it's time to for a little personal commentary uh, interjection here. I 
So when we found out that Jason was going to be introduced and uh, obviously the ex to me, the expectation would be, well, they're just going to follow what the main continuity story is, especially since they're introducing the Red Hood. To mm. me, I thought that it would be a perfect sort of uh, derivation from that to instead of making it exactly the way it is, especially since you mentioned there were so many similarities between the Tim origin in the DCAU to, hey, why don't we do something different where he steals the costume and Bruce just bans him from that point and says, no, I told you you weren't ready. He doesn't become a full-fledged Robin. And then this becomes a tale of him. We learn that he went out and, you know, followed the same path that Bruce did or whatever. You know, he went went over and, and studied with the League of Assassins or, or what have you and went and did followed in his footsteps, but but sort of uh, deviates a little bit from Bruce in, in realizing that his Bruce Bruce's decision to not kill is what ultimately causes so much pain for Bruce and those that are aligned with him. So he's going to take that next step and decide to be a killer. Um, I, so that was my hope. My hope is that they were going to say, we're going to, we're going to kind of subvert your expectations. We're not going to do the exact storyline. Yes, this is the same character. Yes, this is, you know, he eventually becomes the red hood, but we're not, we're not doing things exactly the same way. And I thought that they started out that way because you have him trying on the Robin costume and he breaks into that scene. And then the very next scene that starts off chapter 10 is, you know, him and Bruce fighting in the in the Batcave and Bruce saying, you know, I told you you weren't ready. And I told, you know, we we weren't ready for this. I don't, you know, and Alfred has to physically stand in between them and tell them that, <laughs> hey, you guys have you guys have to come to a decision on this. It would have been great to me uh, if they had decided at that point to say Bruce says, no, I forbid you from being Robin. And then Jason takes this this path of vengeance against Batman to be to be what Batman can't be. Instead, it looks like Bruce just against his better against his better judgment, which I guess is the thread that kind of follows this chapter for chapter 10. Is that despite Bruce knowing better that this wasn't the right thing to do, he ignores that because of because of his care for Jason, I guess, or because his desire to believe the best about Jason. And that's, that's kind of the thread that's followed here through this escalation of violence. And ultimately the, the final, the, the final straw in what ultimately leads Jason to leave. Yeah. And so I guess we can talk about that. Yeah. I, I didn't really have a strong feeling one way or another on where they were going to go. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, beyond sort of the obvious, what we've already talked about, just sort of the the jarring adjustment of saying, oh, by the way, <laughs> there was a third Robin. Uh, I didn't or a third you know, or that Jason Todd existed in this world. Um, I think early on, especially when we first saw that line of figures and we saw the vampire Batman and the Batman who laughs and some of that stuff. I thought, well, maybe we're going to be angling at like an, an into the spider verse for Batman and we're going to. And like this is gonna be like Jason falling out of some parallel universe into our world and taking revenge on the DCAU Batman, even though he's not the one who actually hurt him. But that's obviously not what they <laughs> what they went with. Right. Um, like I don't I don't hate this on his, on on the surface. I do think it, 
and again, this gets into the more like I, it is tough. It's tough because immediately, especially when when you're in as deep as we are as fans, fans that do a podcast about the show, who sort of you know read and reread all of these books and watch and rewatch all these shows, it can be hard to just objectively look as like, hey, is this a good story or not? Because there's so many thoughts when you're going, wait, why is Firefly there? He's in the BTAS suit. When he fought Firefly for the first time, he was already in the new Batman Adventure suit. Like, all those things are going through your head. And you're like, Tim's already Robin when when, Fire, when, when Firefly shows up. And you're thinking, uh, in that flashback scene in, in Chapter 10, uh, Red Sun Rising Part 2, when Scarecrow is attacking the city on Halloween, you see somebody in a Superman costume. And you're like, was Superman, did Superman exist yet? When uh, at this point in the timeline, like it, it sort of breaks your, your your brain when you're a DCAU super fan or you're a super fan, I think, of any uh, product like this. you It can be hard to just like look at it in a bubble. Right. Because you're always thinking about, oh, what how does this connect to this or does this work with this theory or does this comic book, this other comic book suddenly fall out of continuity if we accept this is the new the new story of how it happened and what does that mean for this and, and all that. So I think that can be hard, like in a bubble as best I can. I, I generally liked this, this version of Jason. Like, I think it's you, they did do as good of a job as they could of differentiating him from Tim again, despite the fact that they have similar origins and some similar characteristics, but to me, it's like as as sort of as much as Tim Drake in the new Batman Adventures has kind of an edge to him. And he's like this, you know, this tough streetwise kid. There's never a doubt, even from that first episode, that he is a like a very good hearted kid and he, he wants to be a hero. Right. Um, and here with Jason, especially once we see, like we said, there's sort of this montage of him beheading the the Scarface dummy and pulling a, a giant uh, fire escape down on lockup. And, and nearly killing the scarecrow. Um, and you're so you're seeing that, no, this guy like had this chip on his shoulder that started way back when crime killed his brother. And he just like he is there. He is not there to protect the innocent. He is there to punish the guilty. And so I do think in a bubble, removing all the timeline stuff and all the nerdier stuff that we will absolutely get into in a minute here. Uh, I do like that. I think they did a very good job of differentiating Jason from Tim, which I was certainly worried about when when I thought about the prospect of them introducing Jason in this book. But to have him sort of be this sort of you know, cynical, almost maniacal character right from the get go, uh, I think is really good. And they and I think they did a good job of that. Yeah, I I, I, I can see that. Yeah, I. I... This ultimately, I don't. I think. I think what you said is correct. That it trying to fit this into everything and trying to please the people that are such hardcore fans about this, like ourselves, is a difficult task. We talked about that a little bit last week or last bonus episode with the Nora Freeze thing. So trying to to please everybody, maintain continuity, write a new compelling story, all of that while also meeting required content due to a action figure toy line that's tied into it. That's a tall tale or a tall mm-hmm. task to, to have to cover for a, from a creative standpoint, I imagine. Uh, with that said, I, I think, yeah, I think obviously 
as fans, we're allowed to be critical and we're allowed to say we do or don't like things. That's that's the beauty beauty about fandom. Like you're allowed to say, hey, I really liked this aspect, and and th- there are parts that you can like and other parts that you cannot like, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't have to necessarily infect your uh, affect your <laughs> enjoyment of the entire product. If you right. you can like something overall, like for me, I think overall this whole series has been a win. Just we've talked about it over and over again between the gorgeous artwork that we'll talk about in just a few minutes, the go- gorgeous artwork, the the return to these characters, more DCAU content, familiarity, introducing new concepts, revisiting old heroes and villains, uh, the nostalgia aspect, great cover work, uh, cover artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's been just a great experience overall. With that said, it's not without its faults and it's not without things that kind of make you go, uh, what? So... <laughs> So with that said, I yeah, I, I personally would have done Jason's uh, story a lot. I would have gotten away from the the standard Jason story as much as I could have, mm-hmm. uh, subverting those expectations. Just because now I feel like it opens it up to so much <laughs> to so much stuff that's like. Uh, so much more criticism, I guess, than going with more of an original story or or fitting it in and trying to kind of jam this square peg into this very, very tiny round hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fair. And like I said, it's uh, it's difficult. It's really difficult to uh, judge this solely as a as whether or not it's a good story or a good take when right when you're when it's all so wrapped up and and the fact is uh for better or worse it is connected um to sort of uh you know play the other side of the argument like it is it is connected like it was made very clear this is meant to be a continuation it's called it's literally called the adventures continue uh, of <laughs> of this batman character that we've been following since uh you know since 1992 well i was born in 93 but you know what i mean like right. you know this it's it's it was meant to be that so when you say that and you then begin to sort of play with the mythos and add in these big tentpole moments and you add in an Azrael and you add in a Deathstroke and then, you know, most importantly, obviously you're adding in Jason Todd and the Red Hood. Like it's gonna, it's gonna shake things up and not always for the better. <laughs> um, like I said, I, I still think I, I, I kind of, I see where you're coming from. I tend to agree with you that it would have been interesting to t- take a different tack with it. Yeah. To have him maybe put the suit on once and then have it not work out. And I, I've seen people compare it to like uh, the villain in the first Incredibles movie. Right. He's, uh, but I, I, I wouldn't even say it would need to be that because in that movie, that guy's like a super fan, like borderline stalker as a kid of Mr. Incredible. And, and Mr. Incredible tells him to, to get away from him. And that sort of turns him against him. Whereas that's not really what happens here. It's just that, Again, Jason is looking at it more of I will take this mantle and then I will use it to punish people. And right. and Batman, as much as striking fear into the hearts of criminals, as as much as that's important to him, the more important thing I, I think we've de- we've uh, we've talked about that a lot lately. Actually, just in our most recent regular episode, Day of the Samurai, uh, the value to human life that Batman has. It's not just about punishing. Uh, the villains it's about protecting innocent people and keeping them safe and giving them a reason to hope and continue fighting on 
And obviously, and so I, I think that clash is interesting. And could you have done that sort of ideal clash without having it be like, oh, yeah, and he was Robin for six months or whatever before before they, they sort of have this falling out, which is sort of what we get to at the end of the un, end of the book here is um, after Jason nearly kills the Scarecrow, Batman, Batman's sort of still in denial and he's. He's telling Alfred, oh, he must have been affected by the fear gas. Like it's it's he's it's not that he's just like a vengeful monster. It's he must have been uh, he must have been affected by the fear toxin. And Alfred's like, no, I I checked and <laughs> he wasn't. And Batman's like, yeah, I checked, too. I'm just in denial. And that sort of leads to Jason having a physical altercation with with Batman and basically stealing the suit and driving off on one of the motorcycles. So. We'll uh we'll we'll see where we go, but that's sort of the the cliffhanger part of this, and I guess we'll get more flashback in our our next two digital chapters, which will make up uh, physical issue number six, uh, which we should mention. I think on the last episode we forgot to note that this is actually now a seven issue miniseries. Uh, it was extended by one issue, so we have two issues left after after this one. Four more digital chapters to go, but yeah, that's it's a lot, and it's a lot to pack in, and you feel like Wow, that's 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 a lot to fit in. You, you got to finish up this <laughs> this flashback sequence. You've got to do a new version of the DCAU death in the family story. Um, and again, I'm I'm similar to you with what you were talking about with Jason being Robin. I'm hoping it's not just the Joker beats him with a crowbar and blows him up. Right. I I, I hope there's at least like a twist to that part of the story. Right. Um, Again, because so many of those elements of Death in the Family were used in the uh, in the Return of the Joker flashbacks. Um, so I would like to see them kind of at least take a left turn with the quote-unquote death of, of Jason. Or I'd also think it would be interesting, and I think the Arkham games actually did this a little bit too, is they, they sort of, they, they didn't kill him. They basically say he was like trapped in this abandoned wing in Arkham Asylum for a couple of years and then sort of broke out. Um, and I would like to see them not literally kill him. Uh, I think that and and do the the Lazarus pit and the and all the weird sort of magic that had to bring bring Jason back and in the main continuity book. So I, I hope at least with the, the quote unquote death of, of Jason, that there's at least a, a swerve coming there, but, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a big, we'll see. That's been the whole story of, of doing these, these reviews is it's all right. Well, this is what our impression of this chapter is, but we still have more, we know there's still more to come. So that could, that could change the subject to change. I will, there's, Two things I will point out before we get into just kind of like our breakdown of artwork and stuff here. Uh, one is the characterization of Alfred, I thought, was really great and really interesting in this uh, in these two issues, because not only is he the person responsible for uh, sharing and, and sort of narrating this great failure in Batman's ha- past to Tim, but he is also he also quickly and almost immediately realizes what a bad decision this is to sort of bring in this unknown young um you know off the street clearly somewhat violent based on some of the flashback training scenes that they have uh Mm -hmm. young man and put him in this robin 
Robin position, which in in some ways sort of contradicts and draws you to like, well, why wouldn't he have said something when Bruce brought Tim in, if that's the case? Because it's <laughs> it's very similar to that, uh, unless you know that occurred off screen where. You know, he's having a conversation with with Bruce about, hey, don't forget what just happened not too long ago with Jason Todd. Um, yeah, I was going to say yeah. what, what I mean, Tim, ba- I mean, he basically tells Tim to put the Robin suit on in in Sins of the Father. Like, uh, right. like they're having that conversation like, well, it used to, dra-, you know, it, it, it cuts. It's like him going, well, it used to make Master Dick furious when he would drive off like that. And then it just and he like put, he like nudges him towards the Robin suit. And then walks away, and then it cuts to Tim in the Robin suit. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, guess you could say that Tim stole the suit, and Alfred and Alfred had, you know, gone upstairs or whatever when that happened. But yeah, there was you would think there would have been a discussion somewhere in there where Alfred's like, "You can't do this a third time." Right. the The other thing is, is there's this weird, almost contradiction mid text where in the first half of the digital issue. Alfred and Bruce, once Bruce finds the fingerprints on the bullet, he says, uh, you know, they belong to Jason Todd. And and Alfred questions and says, well, that's impossible. You you saw him. He's dead. And then in the very the very next issue, Bruce talks is is having this conversation with Jason as as the Red Hood in this uh, in the den, the abandoned bar where where he first met Jason. And he exclaims to Jason that he looked everywhere for him. Now, I, I'm I, Jason says, you left me for dead. And Bruce says he searched everywhere for him. So, I, 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 again, this could be something that's sort of rectified or explained in the next chapter. But it also feels like there's a brief contradiction there in the in the text itself. Is they, they weren't sure w- what was happening with the story or how things were specifically going to work out. So it, it just causes me to question is are are things being changed sort of midstream here are they deciding hey this isn't that we decided that this isn't the direction we want to go with this character we're going to kind of go more streamlined towards the main dc dc continuity um because it's it would seem or or reverse that they're going to go well we're going to break away from the dc continuity a little bit we have the freedom to kind of do our own thing now yeah, I I mean, and we can, yeah, you can certainly explain that away. That's not like the most egregious thing, not like Firefly fighting Batman in the B-Test suit <laughs> um, before Tim is Robin. But right. uh, especially because they literally reference Torch Song in one of the Deathstroke chapters. Like they show a flashback of Batman in the cool fireproof suit fighting Firefly and Tim is like, Talking about like, well, I've never met the Firefly, but Batman first encountered him when he was when he was uh, fighting uh, or when he was tried to kill that singer or whatever. Right. Um, So it's so weird that of all people, they chose Firefly for that moment, like of all the possible villains. And again, we see like a bunch of the the B-Tast designed characters show up. So it's not like, oh, well, we can't put the B, the the original animated series designs in with the new Batman Avengers because Batman in the flashbacks Batman's in his Batman animated series look so is Batgirl again we see Scarecrow in his uh his first redesign his uh Batman the animated series look with the with, with the more the Jack O'Lantern head um, and let's let's for a second let's for a second pretend that there's this mandate which we have to assume there's some sort of mandate that they have to include 
uh, things that are based on the toy line, right? Because mm -hmm. ultimately this is all about selling toys. So oh, just sure. just off, off the top of my head, other characters that you could have used from the B-Test line that have been incorporated in the toy line, um, you have Killer Croc, you have the Riddler, you have Two-Face, you have Poison Ivy, and Rachel Gore or Talia. Like those, those are other villains that you could have used outside of the ones that we also see see listed in this issue. So it's not as if they were like, oh well, we're out of villains. We gotta we gotta have this mandate of of reaching this quota of having one of the characters from the toy line in here. I just throw Firefly in there. It's like <laughs> there are other people on the on the shelf that you could have literally used unless they're reserved for these final two issues. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, like, and I get it that it was it was to set up the visual of him jumping out of the smoke to, to again to do the the homage, but like you could just have there be a fire, like right. it didn't have to right. be Firefly who had set the fire. It could have been any villain, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, or it could have just been a hole in the wall that he was jumping through instead of uh instead of that. But again, like that, I mean that stuff. I mean, that is, again, when you agree to make this part of that of this universe and you and you title it The Adventures Continue, I think there is a, a reasonable expectation that it won't immediately contradict a ton of at least not <laughs> at least not the main show. Right. We talked about that. The tie-in right. comics are always kind of fluid and in danger of being written out of uh, continuity by, you know, the next person who gets to write something about these about these characters. Right. Um, but you would think you would at the very least not contradict the main show. And I, like, I understand like something like Lex Luthor showing up in his robot suit back in issue one, like neither Paul Dini nor Alan Burnett were like full-time working on justice league. So they may right. not have noticed or cared that much about how that affected the justice league timeline. Right. Um, but you would think they would at least like, they would obviously both know that Firefly wasn't introduced until the new Batman adventures. So, and again, we already had an issue where it was referenced and shown their first confrontation again. It's not like, Oh, he, and it wasn't like, Oh, he's the second fire. Like Garfield, uh, Garfield lens is the second Firefly. Like it's, if you had at least said that, then we could have a little bit of deniability with it, but <laughs> we did not. Yeah. But, that's enough i think that's enough uh, nitpicking like i said overall in a bubble i liked the issue but because it is part because it's not in a bubble and it is part of this larger uh dcau continuity it definitely has a a, a fair amount of of head scratching moments all right so we've we've touched on it we've danced around it the continuity issues besides Besides, obviously, trying to squeeze this between Dick and Tim, we talked about Firefly showing up. We talked about there's a there's a back and forth switch between Bruce's costume. We have the TNBA costume. We have the classic BTAS costume. Uh, were there any other continuity things that I am not we haven't touched on? I mean, we see a couple other bat suits. One is maybe the original bat suit that we see him wearing in uh phantasm and the robin's reckoning flashbacks although the belt right. looks a little bit different and it also appears to be the original if if you're aware of it or if not you can just google like original bob kane batman design uh you 
you can see that it was literally just like a, a a red suit with bat wings on the back of it, like a red like long johns. The pre built the pre built finger design. Right. Which I mean, that's that's a topic for another day of how how important Bill Finger <laughs> is to the the mythos of Batman. But um, but yeah, that's so I think there's there's a couple little cute homages there. Uh, and we can we'll get into more I guess more of the the, the full on art because I do think there's a lot of good stuff to talk about in the art with this issue. But yeah, as far as the story goes, I mean it's they're they're setting up like they said they're continuing to knock this mystery along and we're unraveling the mystery. And like I said, I guess I'm just hopeful from a plot standpoint that we at least get a little bit of subversion or a little bit of changes to the, the death of, of Jason Todd. Uh, Like I just, I'm, I'm hoping for something a little different there. Also, once again, I hope Nightwing shows up at some point. That would be nice since he's been on the cover of like five of the six issues. Well, you know what I thought was funny was that Alfred doesn't even call him Dick. He calls him the first Robin. He doesn't refer to him by name. He refers to him. We, we, do, get, we do get a name check later on when Jason says, I'm not Dick Grayson, which I thought mm-hmm. actually was, was a pretty, pretty interesting interaction. But there's actually no – Alfred doesn't mention Master – doesn't say Master Dick. He says, he says the, since the first Robin left or in between the first Robin or, or something like that. He refers mm-hmm. to him as the first Robin. Very, very strange. Uh, that he continues that that Dick continues to be featured on multiple covers and has yet to make an appearance in this miniseries. Yeah, and I, I forgive it more on the alternate covers because the B covers or the variant covers tend to be just whatever. Like a lot of them are just doing like full like cast shots with all the villains and stuff, and that's cool. And I like them a lot. I mean, I know me wrong. I'm not complaining. The covers for every issue so far uh, have been phenomenal. Um, I've bought all, <laughs> I've bought so many covers to these, uh, these issues. Um, and I love them, but yeah, there is, there is a little bit of that of like, wow, you, you keep throwing him on those, on those a covers and he's just, he's just not, not around. And other than, as you mentioned, sort of a passing reference or two in these, in these flashbacks, we haven't even really seen a, a hint that he might show up and, uh, that's, Again, I'm I'm gonna I'm just gonna keep trying. You know what they say, you know, throw what you want out into the universe and and try to manifest it. So I'm just I want to manifest a scene with with Tim, uh, Jason, and Dick all together, just one before this book is over. That's what I'm hoping for. There we go. Keep throwing it out there. I love it. All right. So we have also mentioned it several times already, Liam. The artwork, I think, continues to be the standout from this series. Uh, We would be remiss not to mention, as we have each and every episode, the title cards for both of these issues. I think part one was outstanding. Um, Randy Mayard is the uh, gentleman responsible for doing that. I didn't, I don't know if the second part was his responsibility for sure. Um, I didn't, we posted it out there. We didn't get any correction saying it was somebody else. It doesn't, doesn't ring as true as the other ones I felt like uh, to his design. It may have been just the way that uh, they lifted the artwork. Uh, Each, each of these cards, by the way, is based on a specific panel in the comic. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I wasn't sure if that, if they just if somebody else did the the part two or if they just chose to do it a little bit different style. But uh, part one of Red Sun Rising, the artwork for that one, it's Alfred standing outside the the case with, that contains the Batman suit, and then next to it is the empty suit where the the Robin costume is missing, and it's just such a, a stark like great image. 
yeah, it's mostly done in, in, in shadow with sort of this red hue to it all. And it's, it's really, really striking and it's such a great way. And obviously these, these title cards, because there, it isn't really broken down into a part one and part two in the physical issues, uh, you don't really get to see them except in the digital versions, but yeah, this, that, that one for, for part one here is, is especially great. And then part two features uh, the red hood and Batman sort of standing back to back. And uh, is also lifted from a couple different panels in, in part two, but uh, great, great. Those continue to be great and much appreciated. So shout out to them. Uh, the rest of the artwork in the issue. I know, I think, I think you and I had a, uh, had a place for a, a digital disagreement alarm because I, I think, <laughs> I think you have decided that uh, these two issues so far have been the best artwork. I'm still partial to the Darker Knight, I believe. I, th- I think those color, the colors that Monica Kubina continues to to just outdo herself each and every issue. I will say that yeah. the Red Hood colors are are, are tremendous. Um, but uh, the artwork by Ty Templeton, you think that this is the uh, this is the best to date? Yeah, I think so. I think they do so many creative things, especially in the the second uh, second part, uh, chapter ten. I just think almost every panel in that in that second uh, that second part is is perfect. Like the the scene, the panels of of Batman and Alfred sort of arguing face to face are are really well done. Uh, the, there's a great shot of when when the partnership is officially formed of, of Batman and, and Jason shaking hands that I think is phenomenal. And then, uh, yeah, I, I like I said, I, I love the montage of him, of Jason just brutalizing the, the Gotham rogues. I think that's really clever. And I guess that's something we can talk about. The actual Jason Robin suit design, it is not just him in the the red and green Dick Grayson suit, nor the red and black Tim Drake suit. This is completely his own thing. It's, it's similar to the, the, the Grayson suit, but it's, he's got a different belt. Uh, the R is a little bit different. And then he has also has a red mask and boots. So what do you think of the Robin, the second Robin costume? Uh, it probably wouldn't be my color scheme, but red and green also wouldn't be my color scheme as a whole. If I was designing my own costume (laughs) with that, (laughs) Said. With that said, I I think that this was this was a unique opportunity for Ty Templeton to decide to do something different. He saw it, he seized it, and he absolutely crushed it. Uh, I think that uh, the coloration, I appreciated that. Also, I think you mentioned it before, but Jason, they went with his uh, his red hair look, which was also a a nod to his first appearance in the. Uh, original DC continuity. I, I believe he dyes his hair black. There's a there's a famous mm-hmm. panel uh, from from one of the issues where he decides to dye his hair black before becoming Robin. But uh, that character had red hair. This character chose not to do that. He sticks with his red hair and uh, and and his red boots go with it. I mean, it's it's what why else? I mean, it really hammers home that whole red red idea. The red hood, red. You know, his it, a nod to his his brother. And uh, yeah, I, I think they did incorporate some things, as you mentioned. So the belt looks very, very similar to the the belt that was designed on the original Tim Drake costume in the comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, very similar shape and styling uh, as are, I think the boots 
similar as well. Obviously, he didn't have red boots, but that the cut of the boots are are sort of very similar to that. So if if you're gonna take certain things about different characters and you're kind of gonna do these mishmash mashups, why not why not draw from inspiration that's already familiar but put your own spin on it? And then Monica uh, absolutely killed <laughs> killed coloring again uh, for for this ep- uh, for this for issue for both issues, but I think n- issue two. Um, you mentioned a, a lot of the highlights already, but certainly that final scene, uh, the, the culmination of these two chapters where Batman meets Red Hood in a in the abandoned bar and uh, there's a explosion that occurs. Her coloration of fire and just the way that <laughs> everything in every panel glows with this sort of red orange hue while maintaining the 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 coloration of the characters themselves it's it's just perfect like it's so so good yeah especially that that last um that yeah as you as you're mentioning that that last little confrontation between Jason and and Batman to end the issue um it starts out they're they're in this as you mentioned the the old wolf gang hideout the den and it's abandoned and run down, and it's of course all the lights are out, so a lot of the shots are, are Batman in shadow, and it's it's really atmospheric, and they have this conversation, and Batman's trying to reason with him, and then yes, as as Jason sort of alludes to, it's like well, uh, I, I he kind of tricks Batman, and and he basically shoots a bunch of bottles full of gasoline and creates this giant fireball and explosion. Yes, as you mentioned, like there's. Batman sort of wrapped in his cape with the with the fire going behind him as as uh, as Batman sort of comes to this realization that there's that it doesn't appear there's any way he's going to be able to reach Jason and that that he's about to go to war with him is it's really well done. And it's not only in the narration that we're getting from from Batman's sort of personal monologue, but also the the art by Ty Templeton and, and the colors by by Monica are so good and so really just drive that point home of him being batman batman's very much on the defensive at the end of this issue like he's he feels he feels the guilt of allowing jason to die or you know maybe die who knows but and then also that sort of wrapped up with like this guy is ruthless and he is coming after me and everybody that i care about so that's that's really really it was a really really striking way and yeah especially that final those final few pages where they're where they're in the bar and then there's the explosion i think those few pages are my favorite pages uh of any of these uh any of these issues so far i just thought yeah between between ty templeton's work and and monica kubina's work it was it was just picture perfect they they really nailed the atmosphere and the juxtaposition there of of the dark, shady, atmospheric, uh, brooding scene as they're sort of arguing and then juxtapose that with this giant explosion and all of the light that comes with it as, as Batman's wrapped up in his cape, sort of looking back at the fire. Just incredible work by by both of them in this issue, as it has been with every issue. But like I said, I think this one between that and and some of the the scenes with in the flashback with Jason as as Robin I I just really think they nailed it in this one It's hard to argue with you I would argue with you like I said because I think I think that this is great uh, and certainly taking nothing nothing away from it but I think I just I I love the the blue coloring and and some of the other colors used in the in the darker night issue mm-hmm. with that said though uh, we th- 
I think the artwork, as we, I think we've probably said each and every bonus review that we've done of these issues uh, continues to carry this and make this so enjoyable and so fun. And uh, what a, what a dynamic duo between between Ty Templeton and Monica Kubina. Am I right? Absolutely. Like they they really couldn't have paired up uh, two better people. Obviously, Ty Templeton's been been drawing this DCAU style for years now. He knows he knows it like the back of his hand. And then combining that with with Monica's coloration, it's just it's just been such a treat. And like I said, even even when we're sort of all wrapped up in our 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 timelines and our continuity and and thinking about where this fits and and how does this character show up here and and all that you can you're always just gonna if nothing else even if you hated the story which again i don't think either of us are saying we hated it uh and in fact i would say again in a bubble i i actually enjoyed it quite a bit but but i think even if you're not enjoying the story as much if you're uh if you've given it a shot and you're just enjoying it i think these books are still worth picking up just for the great art alone and the great the great team they've set up as you mentioned the uh randy mayer doing those title cards for the digital chapters and then and then ty and, and monica doing just just incredible work issue after issue chapter after chapter um in the in the uh interiors of the book just unbelievable work being done by them yeah shout out shout out to both of them keep up the good work uh we know monica checks out our podcast from time to time so thanks monica and thanks thanks for uh, all the hard work that you're doing can't wait to see what else don't forget uh if you didn't didn't hear coming up uh this this upcoming weekend actually on the 22nd is dc fandom i know monica is doing something special for that uh with her dc superhero girls panel so check that out uh, you can check that out at dc comics website uh definitely go over and support her and uh everything else that she does outside of her work on this uh batman the adventures continue line absolutely yeah some some cool DCAU or DCAU adjacent stuff. Obviously, Monica's got other work that she's doing there. We also have Tim Daly uh, uh, coming back to voice Superman as he'll be part of a script. Uh, he'll be reciting a, an old 1940 Superman radio script. He'll be part of the cast, of course, playing the Man of Steel. So some really cool stuff there if you're a DCAU fan or if you want to support uh, folks who have worked on these DCAU projects over the years. There's uh, definitely some some really cool stuff that we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get to see this weekend. Yeah, uh, and of course there are rumors that we'll get the long rumored and uh, and hopefully soon to be confirmed re- release of the Superman the animated series on Blu-ray, uh, which would be certainly a welcomed announcement. As we know, Clancy Brown is also scheduled to be there that uh, that weekend. Uh, Liam, we'd be remiss again not to mention the stuff that's happened with DC Direct. Uh, still, still uh, got some confirmation with DC Direct, DC Universe. Um, obviously it's not, it's still not good news for those that lost their jobs this week. So we're still, yes. you know, our, our thoughts, thoughts are with them and, and still hoping that those folks are going to either be rehired or, or land on their feet uh, someplace else uh, and be able to use their, their vast talent that has been so, so amazing to be a part of the last several years. But we got confirmation. It sounds like the DC universe, uh, at least the shows on DC universe are going to be moving to HBO Max, no mention on whether or not, uh, I believe Jim Lee in his article with the Hollywood Reporter specifically mentioned original content being moved to HBO Max, so it's possible. I know we speculated in our conversation that could mean that this DCAU library stays on the DC Universe app uh, with the comic books, because it sounds like they're going to at least in some form or fashion maintain the DC comic book library, which is a win. 
yes. for, for DC fans. Uh, DC Direct, also, there was some commentary on that. Obviously, that's that's huge because that's where this, this whole comic book series is derived from, from that Batman the Adventures continue line. So uh, Jim Lee also in that same article mentioned that they'll be doing some different things. Heart, it didn't really give any specifics. Uh, sounds like that uh, the, the head honcho of DC Direct is still is going to be involved at DC Fandom. So we might hear some stuff this upcoming weekend about that. Obviously, that's very small in the in the grand scheme of things. Uh, with mm-hmm. people, real life people losing their real jobs, and uh, but a- at least as a DC fan, it is uh, slightly encouraging to hear that uh, you know some of this content is going to be available for those that would like to access it. Agreed. Yeah, it's yeah. We like I said, we talked about this on our uh, our most recent regular episode. But yeah, obviously, it's whatever happens with uh, with the app or anything that's. That's all clearly very, very secondary to you know to a lot of really talented folks who uh, who who are out of work and yeah hopefully they will not be out of work for for too long one way or the other so uh, yeah best wishes to them and uh, yeah still uh, on a lighter note very uh, very excited to uh, hopefully get a little bit more DCU content like you mess like you mentioned possibly a a, a Blu-ray release of Superman and then of course we in a few weeks will have yet another pair of digital chapters of Batman the Adventures continue to talk about as we continue to unravel this this mystery of of how the Red Hood came to be in this world. Well, I guess now would be also a good time to mention, Leanne, that we will, in honor of the, the news that DC Direct slash DC Collectibles is shuttering, that we will be doing a DC Directrospective, that's what I'm calling it, on the Ooh. on the next Ooh. On our next bonus episode, sure to be an interesting one. It's it's going to be a long and involved one, so we may have to split it up over a couple of bonus episodes. But look for that on the podcast feed in the upcoming weeks as well. Uh, we love obviously talking about collecting. We have uh, our very, I think our our second bonus episode that we ever did was uh was a a, a top top list of our favorite DCAU incarnations. Uh, so you can check that out in the archives as well if you're interested in hearing our our thoughts on DCAU toys. But uh, yeah, we'll have that coming up. Then of course we have our mainstay standard episodes. We are still in the middle of a Batman the Animated Series month. We are reviewing Batman the Animated Series. We have uh, a couple of, of, of episodes left this month, one of which, Liam, is actually going to be an Elseworlds tale outside of DCAU continuity that the fans have the opportunity to vote on. Yes, if you uh, if you go to our Twitter right now, we we have that poll up there. You will have three very unique choices to pick from: uh, an episode of The Batman, an episode of Batman: The Brave and the Bold, and in fact, an episode of not the new Batman Adventures, but in fact, the new Adventures of Batman, starring Adam West and Burt Ward. Uh, three very unique choices, and you will have the chance to uh, to help us pick. And then on our regular episode this coming Saturday at 10 a.m. 9 central, at the end of that episode, we'll reveal what won. So definitely a lot to go on. Definitely head to at DCAU Review on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, be sure to chat with us. And uh, specifically, be sure to vote in our poll on Twitter. That's right. Don't forget, you can also check us out on Instagram at DCAU Review. Check out the website, DCAUReview.com, for all past bonus episodes and standard episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You'll be sure to find us. But until next time, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. 
we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.